Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast where it is Stat Nerd Thursday. That means I am Matt Harmon and I am joined each week by Dalton Del Don, which gets me gassed up. I'm excited about that. Uh, we have plenty of good stats to dig into this week. Uh, interesting Thursday night. Interesting being the key word. Interesting Thursday night game to preview later. But before we get into all that fun, we have some pre-show business to take care of. If you still haven't tested out Fantasy Plus... What are you doing with yourself? With league-specific tools to help you navigate the treacherous trade waters and give you waiver wire advice, it can literally only help your squad. Try it out for free at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus, and you'll also get access to Andy Barron's weekly fantasy newsletter. With that, over and done with, Dalton. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Bummed my San Francisco Giants are out of the postseason to the hated uh, Dodgers. Excited about my Golden State Warriors off to a hot start. But of course, we're here to talk football. So uh, it's just my other way of saying let's ignore the 49ers, of course. But what's up, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our 49ers are coming off by, man. How are we feeling? I've got people in my... Uh... I know you just said you weren't going to talk about the 49ers, but now I'm asking you about it. I mean, listen, man, I've got people wondering what the bye week, situ- the post-bye situation is going to look like for this team, and I have no idea. The only thing I have clarity on is that I feel like people still don't realize what they have in Elijah Mitchell. You know, the guy's like 18 bucks in our Yahoo single-game DFS contest against the Colts. Like, to me, that's the one settled situation on the team is, like, I think Eli Mitchell's the guy over Trey Sermon based on what we saw last time. So I think both fantasy managers and 49ers fans want to see Trey Lance at this point, but he physically isn't even able to out there. He's not practicing today. So we'll see Jimmy Garoppolo. And Elijah Mitchell was funny. When I did the ranks uh, this week on Fantasy Pros, I was curious where his expert consensus ranking was going to land him. And it was 15th among running backs. I mean, A, that's an indictment and, and, and you know, shows how many there's six buys this week and whatnot. But yeah. for a guy that unproven, it's pretty funny that he's immediately a top 15 option. But yeah, it shows just how little Trey Sermon impressed and after the bye, the thought is he, you know, he returns healthy and is the main, the main back in an offense ran by Jimmy Garoppolo that will, will be run heavy. And it's a pretty good matchup against the Colts. You know, they're four point favorites. Yeah, I ended up having, I think, Eli Mitchell as my RB12, you know, because yeah. like you're weighing him against some real scrubs, bad names <laughs> there, man. I mean, can you two things? I feel like uh, I'm going to ask you two questions, basically, like big view. Number one, with the whole Trey Sermon thing. We uh, did the episode of the Survival Kit video series that I do every week. The topic this week was the player, the people, you know, that answer the question. 
was their biggest miss of the season. And obviously a lot of people sent in Trey Sermon. And I'm like, my point, the point that I made in the video, you know, with a lot of, um, let's say histrionics or whatever you call it, of what, how I normally operate in that video, basically told people like, don't even feel bad about this. Like you got to let yourself off the hook. Cause this, I can't remember like a weirder situation in fantasy ever. Like Kyle Shanahan trades up for this guy runs as the ones all preseason. And now like, he's just not even relevant. Super weird. As you said, they traded up for him. The the Bobby Turner, the running backs coach, loved him. Um, Raheem Mostert immediately went out for the season. It looked just yeah. perfect. Um, but yeah. And then Sermon, I mean, you know, in his defense, he got concussed badly on that one carry where he got hit with a, a forearm. But yeah, it looks like the team, and even reading throughout this week, the team loves Elijah Mitchell. And uh, do you know if you look at rushing yards over expectation, Mitchell is last by a mile this year. And there, really? there are a lot of footage out there, too, saying, um, look at this hole. He met. They, there are a lot of film geeks out there, too, saying he's left a ton of yards on the field. So I don't know what to make of the situation. Shanahan also is now saying that Javon Kinlaw's knee is going to be an issue all season. This was a red flag when they drafted him over CeeDee Lamb. I mean, screaming from the rooftop, CeeDee Lamb fell. So I, I don't, there's so many, uh, the whole Niner Nation is definitely down on Shanahan for good reason. So I don't have any, 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 any answer for you. I don't know what happened with Trey Sermon, but I will say he'll likely get another opportunity when and if Mitchell gets hurt. Because that's just something that happens if you play for the 49ers. It's a prerequisite. I know, yeah. He's like a guy that I think is, he's like, a he's an end of bench stash and that's it. Which is just, again, it's crazy. It's a crazy fall considering that, like, the perfect situation laid out for him to have this massive year and this unexpected, because it would be one thing if we got, like, a steady drumbeat all off season that, oh, like, Eli Mitchell was impressing them or whatever. But you're right, he is like a very, like, Mitchell's a very boom-bust runner, so it's not it's not surprising that he's checking in low in that metric, but it's weird, man. And obviously like people want to know about Brandon Ayuk, like post by bump, who knows, man, I have no, we have just, that's another one where it's just like, maybe who knows. And, and I don't know what it means. It's like Shannon, Shannon always has these schemes, completion percentage over, you know, is expected completion percentage. It's always a wide gap with the players that he has out there. Is he just the world's worst talent evaluator that he puts on the field, but a brilliant scheme or is something else going on here? I don't get it because Mitchell definitely looked like Mostert on a long TD run and it looked good, but the tape and even the advanced metrics suggest that he picked both bad rookie running backs. I mean, they both look lost. I mean, I, so I, I don't know what to make of the whole situation there. The Niners are still somehow 10th overall in D. VOA. I mean, they basically outplay. I mean, they're the, they played the, the Cardinals the best of any team this season. I mean, they're super, super weird. And now they're going back to a, a, a gimpy Garoppolo with a, with a bump calf. So who knows? Let's move on. Enough Niners talk. Yeah. Okay. So my second question for you was going to be because you brought this up um, about the whole running back landscape this week. I, I struggle to, I'm sure I'm just you know, living in the moment bias, that type of thing, but I struggle to recall a week like this where so many people like so many high quality backs are on by like it's especially pertinent at the running back position because obviously like the Chargers and Cowboys are on by the Steelers are on by like those obviously are three of the biggest running backs but there's also plenty of other big name players there but the running back position is also as usual so like hit hard by injuries. You know, you have the Browns guys out for Thursday night, which we're going to talk about later. You have some guys like Antonio Gibson who are out there, but shouldn't be out there. And, and you're kind of just in that, in that landmine. Can you remember such like a, an apocalyptic bye week? And secondly to that, who are some guys that you think could potentially surprise folks as like players? Like, dude, I went from a team where I was starting Dalvin Cook and Najee Harris, and like now I'm looking at starting like Malcolm Brown and um, no joke like Devonta Freeman. 
Like that's where we're at right now. No, I cannot remember an uglier scene. Uh, to give a, an example of this, Jonathan Taylor right now is the RB3 in expert consensus ranking. This is a running back who had two carries at halftime last week oh, in the best matchup yeah. possible facing a Niners defense who's an NFL streak for uh, 25 straight games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. And he's the number three option this week. Again, let me repeat, he had two carries at halftime last week in the best possible matchup uh, you, could, you can have on paper. I mean, this is, uh, I personally would start Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, or Daryl Henderson quite easily over him this week, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, Leonard Fournette is like a borderline top five option this week. Uh, yeah, Darryl, I mean, it's wild. Me. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Dearnest uh, goes to possibly to the end zone. Johnson uh, is the feature back on the Browns, and he's got to be ranked like top, what, 15? I mean, it's it's insane. It's, mm-hmm. It is the wildest week of running back position I can remember playing fantasy football. Hey, you brought up Leonard Fournette, and I think we talked about him going in uh, last week's podcast going into Thursday Night Football. I think Leonard Fournette is another one that people might not realize what they have in Leonard Fournette. Like, I think he is a top, almost borderline top 15 running back the rest of the way right now with the usage that he's getting. I mean, there's also rumors that they might try to trade Ronald Jones because they're just, you know, over Ronald Jones. Uh, they're, you know, Geo's in and out of the lineup with injuries. And, you know, he's just he's a whatever player at this point, man. I, I feel like Leonard Fournette, we always talk about these sexy, like, league-winning running backs. You know, people still want to talk themselves into the story that Javante Williams is going to be a league-winning running back. But, like, I think Leonard Fournette is legitimately a league-winning running back right now um, that you – like even people that have Leonard Fournette might not realize what they have in Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I blew this and went the opposite route with Ronald Jones. And uh, I really do think Ronald Jones is a good uh, runner when the ball's in his hand, but he's just so bad at all the other parts. And Leonard Fournette had a higher floor to begin with in full PPR is just to clear a guy who can catch passes. So it was just a bad process by me there. And even if Gio Bernard uh, it remains a third down guy and stays healthy, Fournette still gets five to six uh, targets a game anyway with the Brady dump offs out there in the top first two downs. So and the goal line guy, the TD regression is coming, positive regression, as we saw last week. So I'm with you, man. I mean, Fournette, the three down back or or whatever, the goal line back and two down back on the league's top one or two offense. I believe they lead the league in points per game and yards per game. So, yeah, for Uncle Lenny, I mean, yeah, looks it's a strong argument as a top 10 fantasy back. I, it's, it's crazy. It's on none of my rosters. I'll tell you that much. Thankfully, he's on a couple of mine. I'm trying well like hell. I have I have a six and oh, but like I, I was not counting on him one bit. Of course, now because like you know David Montgomery, who is I drafted a lot of, is hurt. You know he's I got to start Leonard Fournette, and like at least I'm feeling pretty good about it. But I'm trying like hell. I got one six and oh dynasty team that has Christian McCaffrey, and like I'm just spinning my wheels at the running back position. I am trying like hell to get a deal for Leonard Fournette in like in that league. Like just sell a sh- stupid rookie pick that's going to be fake news in a year from now to get me Leonard Fournette. Like, but I'm I'm probably not going to get it done. But uh, that's here, neither here nor there. No one cares about my fantasy teams. Okay, let's move into some of the stats that uh, we're going to talk about today. First one I wanted to talk about because I want to take a couple different angles from this one. The Seahawks are allowing 181.5 total yards per game to running backs. They've given up the second most receiving yards to running backs, which I think is interesting because obviously like their running back total rushing yardage might be skewed because they played Derrick Henry one week and Derrick Henry's a monster. But like they're also giving up all these receiving production to running backs as well. I think they gave up some pretty big passing game plays to Derrick Henry himself. So just shows you what bad shape this defense is in. And I kind of want to spin this a couple different ways to talk about one Alvin Kamara is in such a smash spot this week. Uh, You know, Kamara is, would you say that people have been slightly disappointed by Alvin Kamara so far this year? 
Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, boy, he looks good though when we compare it to all the other backs. I, he's he's my number four back this week, right behind the Jones, Henry, and Henderson. But yeah, he's been disappointment. The targets haven't been quite there as expected. So yeah, I think he has been considered uh, such. Yeah, I ha- I have him second. So in in my rankings yeah, this week sure. because you know yeah I mean whatever we're we're picking we're picking nits there but like. Number one, because of this matchup, the touches have still been there for Kamara. I think he's fifth in the NFL in touches right now, which is ironically most of it, as you mentioned, is coming uh, via the ground game. Uh, They've thrown him the ball 22 times, I think, so far this year through five games. And Jameis Winston has thrown more than 30 passes just once. Which I think is interesting because oh, just just one, the one time thirty passes the game before the bye that's his high mark of the and like he's been super efficient he leads all quarterbacks in touchdown percentage but I kind of wanted to spin this into a, a little bit of a obviously a matchup great matchup for Alvin Kamara this week I think he oh, is yeah. a, a top five running back I think he can really hit this matchup pretty hard but. You know, this game has like a sub 44 total right now. And most of it's because these two teams play so slow. They play so conservative. And we don't expect that out of the Saints offense. But that's definitely the way Jameis has been. Um, Where are you at with this Saints offense as it returns off by? Do you expect any sort of like they unleash Winston at some point? You know, Michael Thomas is apparently, quote, not close to coming back uh, from from this whole injury. So uh, we'll see. You know, this matchup is right. Seattle entered last week on pace to allow the most yards in NFL history. I'm not sure if they're on that same pace or not. I know they're allowing the most. And sorry, I got that wrong. It's the Cowboys who lead in points per game and yards per game with the Bucks right behind them. Um, I'm not. I'm expecting more of the same, unfortunately. Uh, it's bad news for fantasy managers. I'm Alvin Kamara, top five weekly fantasy back, even albeit, you know, disappointment and all. He's still a, a top five option moving forward. And then really no one else. I mean, it's, it's no, no one, I mean, yeah. with that, the volume, as you said, I mean, obviously, Superflex is different, but no, I would not treat Jameis Winston as a top 20 guy even this week in the matchup. And and the Callaway has a couple of those long, like, fluke plays, but man, it's, plays, there's yeah. not anything else you can like there in, in the entire Saints offense, even in this matchup. Yeah, I feel like if you're in need of a quarterback streamer, you pro- if you're in a one-quarterback league, I feel like you've probably got better options. You know, uh, Tannehill is still decently available to uh, provided yes. that he's the Dolphins starter <laughs> you know he should be in a really good spot this week you know there's other guys out there too but yeah I think Jameis Winston's on that like low end uh streamer mark this week but I also wanted to talk too about Seattle because you mentioned man the Seahawks defense is terrible and Pete Carroll the one I don't know what your reaction was uh to the to the game that we saw on Sunday night I haven't really had a chance to talk about it on this podcast since it happened because uh, we were obviously taping Sunday night during the uh, Seahawks-Steelers game. A couple thoughts coming out of that game. Number one, so happy that we get to see this team in an island game one week later. That's really cool. Uh, number two, if any other quarterback other than Ben Roethlisberger is playing for the Steelers, I think they get smoked in that game, the, the Seahawks, because their defense is terrible. And Pete Carroll is still coaching this team as if, he has that defense from like 10 years ago at this point. I mean, it's been forever, but I kind of feel like the game has passed Pete by. And that's my biggest problem with these guys like Lockett and Metcalf is that the volume on offense is still going to. I thought there was a chance that with Geno back there, they might like matriculate the offense down the field a little more. But it just goes through these slumps because they rely on the run game so hard. And and it's just is it's a nightmare, not because Geno's like that bad. I don't think Geno's that bad. I think it's the structure and overall approach of the team that's really killing these guys right now 
I believe Monday night will mark the third straight primetime game for Seattle, too. They they yes, really made a mistake, it looks, it looks like, with the trade capital and the contract given to Jamal Adams, who is just, you know, Oof, not. Yeah. And it's looking like one of the, you know, the maybe the worst albatrosses in the league. Uh, possibly. Alex Collins looked great, like a possible fantasy option uh, last week. And now he's so hurt. His status is unclear this week. You know, Pete Carroll is ever the injury optimist. So that's that. And then Tyler Lockett, can you start him? Maybe this week with all the buys, but that looks like a big disaster without Russell Wilson there. Um, man, I'm still starting DK Metcalf. But yeah, this is uh, hasn't been the most encouraging season for Seattle. You're right. It's not all Geno Smith's fault. But you know what? I expect them again, though, um, kind of like last week, to hang in there against the Saints team and night game and night game in Seattle against the Dome New Orleans I bet they keep that game relatively close yeah I mean you hope so it just depends on how New Orleans plays this game I mean like it could be over so quickly this is one of those games that like by 8 30 Pacific might be all the way wrapped up by then because these both these teams are so conservative and run heavy it is worth noting that the Saints give up a pretty decent amount of production to slot receivers and like Marshawn Lattimore is one of these tough corners to read you know uh, because like he has these huge games where he shuts down like Mike Evans and then like other games where he'll just get you know cooked by different guys I feel like a primetime matchup against DK Metcalf is one of these games he's going to get up for, which is like maybe I'm I'm you know in in a daily fantasy format I think you could go with Tyler Lockett over TK Metcalf because of that reason and then the only good news is they get the uh, the next game after this one they get the Jaguars on the 31st of October um, next Sunday after this so yeah I mean and then they go into their bye and like then they come out Packers Cardinals Washington 49ers like Washington's the only matchup in there you're like all right cool like maybe I can feel good about my Seahawks receivers but it's a tough time it's a tough time for the uh old Seattle Seahawks. I don't know how you're feeling too optimistic there. One team I am starting to feel more optimistic about, and I, I, I'm i a little surprised that I feel this way. I'm feeling better about the Falcons coming off of their bye, Dalton. You know, right now, Calvin Ridley ranks ninth in the NFL in air yards. Uh, Matt Ryan has started to push the ball downfield a little more a little more ninth in air yards per game. I should mention uh, Matt Ryan started to push the ball a little bit more down the field. Uh, you know, they kind of have their backfield figured out where like Mike Davis is a grinder. Um, he is used on passing downs. And then Cordero Patterson is just kind of like an entirely separate role all unto himself. And, you know, Kyle Pitts obviously had his breakout game against the, uh, against the jets in London. Are you, I feel like now is a pretty good time to buy in on Calvin Ridley, especially and I mean, as bad as running back is, maybe even potentially Mike Davis is is like a decent buy low right now. Ridley, you know, it wasn't an injury issue. He missed the game and then the buy. Um, I believe he, before the buy, he was the second most expected fantasy points in PPR leagues among wide receivers. So it's just been a little unlucky. So and I think hopefully the more air yards downfield come, as you said, also with Kyle Pitts. But yeah, I'm buying Ridley. I'm buying Pitts. And hopefully they come out of the bye with a little bit better game plan. And Sunday's matchup is fine against, you know, a, a Miami team that has a, a decent secondary on paper, but they haven't been as formidable defensively as, as they had they had hoped. But yeah, Mike Davis with this running back landscape, I can't believe that both him and uh, Patterson are going to remain fantasy viable, but it certainly looks that way. And for all the faults about Arthur Smith, who's definitely been disappointing, at least he has unleashed CPAT. Man, he's exciting. <laughs> I know. He's finally the guy. That, everything else has kind of gone wrong for the Falcons offense, but 
Arthur Smith, finally the guy that's unlocked Cordero Patterson. Now he's like, uh, he's like hooked on it. It's like he can't stop. He can't stop with the CPAT stuff, which is, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool to see for Cordero Patterson that someone's finally figured something out for him and, and he's kind of embracing it too. I know he's made the media rounds where he's been like, don't even call me a running back. Don't even call me a wide receiver. I'm just an offensive weapon, Dalton, an offensive weapon for Cordero Patterson. You mentioned the Dolphins secondary. The Dolphins too, like, they were beat up, obviously, in London. They were missing, I think, but they were missing Byron Jones and Z- uh, Xavier Howard in that game. And, dude, the Dolphins are just in trouble, man. And, like, I can't believe they've got to play a game. They were just in London. Like, doesn't – damn Falcons and Jets and Jags all got buys after their London games. How come the Dolphins have to come back to America and play? Yeah, I heard Frank Schwab say on, on the pod with P&L that he thinks that it's a – they elected to do that. They're given a choice. But either way, it was it's crazy. Yeah, especially facing a team coming off their bye in the London game. So, yeah, I might be priced into the the line in this game, which is two and a half or somewhere around their Falcons because the rest discrepancy is so different here for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird making them play or wanting to play or choosing to play right after that trip to London. Hey, buddy, uh, if, if the Dolphins were given the choice – to to take this game after like not, not take a buy yeah. well well it goes right in line with the rest of their choices uh this is this punning, rebuild, punning to tom brady willingly punning back to tom brady over and over on fourth and short yes, yes it, it checks out you're right that's one thing and i mean just every one of their picks in this whole rebuild process has been like basically wrong you know i mean they want to build this great defense up the defense is bad uh, they they made a huge concerted effort to like spend resources to fix the offensive line. The offensive line might be the worst in the NFL from a run blocking and pass blocking perspective. They already apparently hate their quarterback they took in the top five less than a year, like a year and a half ago. And all of the guys that they have, like basically they've whiffed on every move to try to surround him with talent. Uh, Will Fuller, shock on IR. Demonte Parker also can't stay healthy. Their running back core is a mess. And then the one guy that I think they got right, Jalen Waddell, for some reason, you're using him like Jarvis Landry, despite the fact he's a speedster. And he's costing you currently like the second the second overall pick next year. I mean, this is Miami is a nightmare right now. One uh, stat, so this is a Stat Nerd podcast tweeted by Context Matters. Jalen Waddell's dot by quarterback, 9.1 with Tua, 3.8 with Jacoby Brissett. So kind of like Waddell, um, you know, with Tua there. Me too. The targets. But I guess Devontae Parker returned to practice this week, but still. Um, I hear you. He was been used uh, super weirdly, and all those draft picks, and the offensive line looks like a disaster moving forward, too. So, yeah, and then who knows what's happening uh, if they do and actually trade for Deshaun Watson. No, yeah, my my um my thoughts on Waddle. I, I'm really excited about Waddle actually the rest of the season because the volume has been there. Like yeah, it's a great point. That's a great point too about like obviously uh Waddle's overall A dot doesn't look good. And even like nine yards is not great. Like you'd like right. him to be used a little farther down the field, but but still like Tua at least when he came back out there was like pushing the ball into the intermediate areas, which old Jacoby Brissett is never gonna do. He is always especially behind that offensive line, which is the biggest problem on the team right now, they can't pass protect. So even a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who already kind of has a quick trigger finger anyways, he's getting that ball out of there pretty quickly to a guy like Jalen Waddle. So, yeah, I mean, I think Waddle is a huge buy right now um, because of the roles there. Uh, obviously, you would like some more air yards behind him, but still, nevertheless, like 
the overall volume being there and the fact that we know he can break big plays like even if it's on his own you know he creates after the catch he's he's a speed guy you know i think there's some hope that he could be like a tyler lockett light type of player i'm not in on like the tyree kill comparisons but uh maybe like that type of archetype could be good for jalen waddle i think he's another one that kind of like a low-key buy uh right now as well based on what you said that eight odds that really does help his cause i don't hate to a waddle stack mini stack in dfs this week and miles gaskin that was just they, they've stopped running the ball altogether they're like philadelphia basically they're just they're super pass uh heavy in neutral situations i mean that gaskin game that he had nice for fantasy that was just a product of facing that tampa bay team where there was 10 targets it is at all so i think he's in a in a committee there and tough to start albeit this week isn't every running back has warts of course yeah, I mean, he, he's probably like a must start this week, though, Miles Gaskin, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> even like I said, Malcolm Brown, I think is in consideration. Ahmed last week was like it was like basically one third, one third, one third in terms of the running back usage last week between those three guys. So and that's another thing, too, like Miles Gaskin is not great, but he's definitely their best back. But they can't commit to him at all either. They don't do Miami does not do anything right. Like, I think Brian Flores might be a, a good like culture guy coach, but they this team is rough, rough on paper. I'm convinced maybe that's the case with all coaches, though, because uh, not only my Shanahan, but Belichick, have you seen how bad he is on fourth downs? He's like by far the yeah. worst in the NFL these last two years. So I he's don't really get it in the media, I, man. He's yeah. getting it in the media now, too. Like I've seen I saw um, Mina Kimes on ESPN uh, was had tweeted out a video segment they did that uh, like Johnny saying Smith. that the head coach is well, the head, no, the head coach is like actively holding them back. Like it was and uh, Evan Lazar used to work actually in the NFL research uh, department back in the day. He's like a writer. He covers the Patriots and he actually wrote a similar column too that like the head coach's decision making on fourth downs is actively holding the Patriots back. It's like we're at the point now where that's the discourse around Bill Belichick. That is interesting. Yeah, no, I know you also snapped the reporter asking him uh, John Smith getting more targets. He's like, I never understood why one player should get 10 or something. That's that's yeah, the fourth down decisions they have like. I don't know. It's, it's it's very, very low. So it's it's I don't know what to make of of coaches. Maybe they're just uh, maybe they're incapable of knowing every all, all aspects of the job correctly. I don't know. You know, Brandon Staley, everyone loves on the Chargers. And uh, our guy Warren Sharp came out last week. Credit to him. And he's like, you know, for a, uh, he's getting all the credit this week. But I just want to say that as good as his defense is, the way he plays defense and he goes back in the shell and he lets he makes the offenses play archaic way of football. Why does he do that offensively then? Because he calls all these runs on first and 10. And Herbert had just been this crazy, unsustainable third and fourth down because he's Justin Herbert and he's awesome. Well, guess what regressed on Sunday against the Ravens all in one game? Third downs. And so, I don't know, even Brandon Staley, I'm saying everyone's favorite new guy, isn't is yeah. not great offensive play caller so far. So, um, I don't know. I guess it's just a tough a tough job to be uh, great at everything, I guess. There's or been even a competent few, like, at everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't check every box. I mean, Staley's like a first-time head coach. It, sure, it makes sure, sense. Sure, sure. You know, with, with, uh, with Belichick, it's like, well, this guy's been around forever. And, like, you could argue that this is, like, being more aggressive on fourth down. Is, well, by Wasn't the way, the like, guy who did it against the Colts uh, years ago, remember he did it on the on the own twenty. He went for it on fourth, yeah. and everyone killed. I and mean, it he didn't was the work. innovator. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. But he shouldn't care about results. He was Obviously, the ultimate yeah. process guy. So anyway, sorry. Continue. No, no. I mean, it's a great point to just like with coaches. It, it can be like, yeah, everybody. I mean, Brandon Staley. Like everybody was kissing the ring, and you don't even have one. You know, kissing the ring with Brandon Staley. Like, and to your point too, like the fourth down decision making is one thing. And right, like you live on, like when you make those fourth down calls, like last week, uh, when you do that, you end up can sometimes put the the other team in, in advantageous situations. I mean, 
I might be biased because I had a few props that I needed. Like I needed Tannehill to run for 10 more yards to really clear a lot of props <laughs> last uh, on, on Monday night. But man, I would have loved to see that game go to overtime. I thought Sean McDermott should have just kicked the damn field goal, but whatever. Um, I'm more pro going on fourth down than not, of course. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's daily thing, but the offensive point is, is a good one. And I know that the chargers are on by, so it's not worth like really diving into it, but there have been a lot of, again, like people that really watch film and really dive into this, like the, the offensive design stuff that were talking about and raising red flags about this offense under Joe Lombardi before, like when Herbert was still crushing it, that Herbert was sort of exceeding, like you basically are counting on Herbert to be perfect. And more often than not, that's going to be a good bet because he's Justin Herbert, but they don't have a lot of like built in design parts of the offense that are going to get, you know, they're going to make life easier on the quarterback basically was kind of the point. And, you know, when the protection slips, there's offensive line injuries for the chargers right now. Fair. And Herbert just has an off day. They can get crushed playing that way. Fair. That, those are fair points, but it's just especially weird that he recognizes that it's the ideal way that you'd want your opposing offense to, to, to attack you. That's what you want. You want them to run on early downs, you know, and not let the the uh, the, the 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 plays behind you, the, behind the safety. And then they turn around, and they do the exact same on their own offensive it's funny, play calls. Yeah. yeah, maybe Brandon Staley needs to walk down the hall and talk to Joe Lombardi about that a little bit because Staley is a former quarterback, right? Like he, that's kind of the his whole thing. Like he is a he's a former quarterback, and that's why he's so so good at uh, being a defensive play caller and and designing these defenses to attack like to bait you into being a run heavy team the problem is right now the chargers are too like they're too bad on run right. defense they're yeah, so yeah. they're so they're so bad that like latavius murray devonta freeman and, Lata- and Le'Veon bell right. can come in and crush you like they they got to find a little bit of a middle ground there i thought the rams were really missing staley too on defense but boy their Agreed. dvoa shot up about 20 spots with last week's performance uh but yeah interesting so, helps yeah, when you I, play daniel jones and the skeleton crew they're working with on offense right now Oh, it's funny that they came out after. It was very annoying, actually. I say funny, but they they literally came out and said afterward, the entire game plan was centered around Tony, and we didn't know what to do once he left early. I'm like, wow, it's so infuriating as if you have Tony in fantasy. I mean, he was going to have such a monster game. That guy, I mean, I'm, I'm already talking third or fourth round next year in fantasy drafts, dude. He's he's a monster. You're saying I, I'm gassed he's up. A, you, need yeah. to, you need to burp me, Harmon. I mean, he's uh, was that too, too aggressive, or what do you think? I mean, he looks, he looks, he looks like the next superstar. Am I getting ahead of, my, ahead of myself? Two things. First thing, the Giants knew going into that game that Tony was banged up too. I know. Like that I his, totally, yes. His, yes. his yes. they even like there's they were you know they were wanting to be cautious with him and he pushed himself to play and then hundred percent. So it just by the way, he's probably gonna miss some time too. Like if you have Kadarius Tony, like he might he might be out a, a little while because they're saying it's like more severe than a, a typical ankle sprain but that's frustrating that's the giants are stupid man i i this they're the easiest team to spot right now is marks like they're just they're 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 a nightmare and that kind of brings me to the Kadarius tony point is like i don't know how you can be that gassed up about that team next year because who what is that team even going to look like dude like who are they going to have a quarterback who are they going to have at head coach who are they going to have a gm like i think they're a pretty good candidate to blow this thing up i mean obviously tony will be there and obviously tony is 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 a good player and has the juice and like he could be he's he is a more explosive version of Debo Samuel that's and we know how much Debo can be like the centerpiece of an offense for you know a middle like a middling attack like the 49ers have been so far this season um but man I mean yeah I'd be gassed up about Tony it's just what is that team gonna look like dude like they 
I mean, it can't get, I guess it can't get much worse than Jason Garrett as your offensive coordinator, but still. Yeah, and I know I'm asking the wrong guy as a Shepherd guy who you love. By the way, I love him this week. He's going to get all the targets. But I, I was oh, yeah. I covered covered the receivers and fearless forecast this week, and I still had to talk about Tony, even though at the time I knew he probably wasn't <laughs> going to play, just because yeah. I'm that excited. But um, I hear you. The situation's a little murky now. I just love making uh, you know uh, some bold statements uh, a year in advance. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> Why don't you tweet that, Dalton? You should tweet that out. <laughs> if, if I do, my, my yearly tweet might involve uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, you're right. You're right around on schedule. This is right yeah, around the yeah, time that Andy yeah, Dalton totally. was about to yeah, start. Yeah, uh, for, sure. <laughs> for sure, Dante <laughs> Pettis, man. Let's bring it all back to the Niners. Him, he's seen double digit targets. Another Shanahan horrible draft pick, by the way. Uh, early yeah. draft pick. Um, but uh, yeah, Dante Pettis would actually be a, a minimum DFS option this week, believe it or not. Uh, if, but if not for it, looks like Slayton is back practicing, so I wouldn't go there. Uh, yeah, but um, and Kenny G's out. But yeah, Tony, man, get healthy. I'm telling you, the guy looks like a an absolute star loved watching him play yeah he's pretty unbelievable uh so i i hear you there it's just again what is that team going to look like next year that's just the biggest question to me man it's it's um and i love shepherd but shepherd's a guy like they have no that, that team has no cap room next year they have like i think they're sub 1 million on the like in terms of their projected cap room for next year like shepherd's a guy they might have to cut even though he's a good player because he has a big contract and he doesn't have a bunch of like he's not going to bang them in terms of dead money next year or something like that so there are not very many options for them to make room salary wise next year but that shepherd might be a guy that um that comes at a cost in fairness to the Giants, they've lost on offense uh, their left tackle, their three oh, wide yeah. receivers, Skeleton and group. their and their star running back and their quarterback for a, g- a game and a half. I mean, it's it's or a game. It's been it's been pretty brutal there. Yeah, it's definitely. I think that's the one thing because if I had to sit here and ask you to make a case for the Joe Judge era, I don't know that you're going to come up with a lot of stuff other than well, they've been hurt and like let's see what if their roster was ever healthy, what it would look like. But that's about it in terms of what you could say for the Joe Judge era. Speaking of, you know. Well, not speaking of, but, you know, let's talk optimistic stuff since that was a pretty negative uh, overall segment about the Giants. Carson Wentz, Dalton. Carson Wentz is kind of starting to look good. Over the last three games, he has just one turnover, is completing 69% of his passes. He's averaging 9.8 yards per attempt. Uh, I know some of that is juiced up because of Jonathan Taylor's long screen pass, but did hit 250-plus yard throws to Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Last week, his deep ball attempt rate is up to 12.6%, and he's been one of the highest-rated vertical throwers. Uh, And he's only taken six sacks over the last three games. So, are you buying this Carson Wentz turnaround uh, or does the fact that now Paris Campbell is hurt again, T.Y. Hilton might be hurt again, does that move the needle for you at all? He's look. He's played great. There's no no denying it. Sure, he's back on the radar. Um, it doesn't help losing those receivers if Hilton and Hilton's definitely questionable to play Sunday night. But he might get Quentin Nelson back. He's activated off IR. Um, so that, so yeah, I think Wentz is absolutely on the fantasy radar, especially with all these the bye weeks and whatnot. So uh, he's played really really well, and I'm fired up. I, I I'm going to be there Sunday night to watch Garoppolo Carson Wentz. How jealous are you? <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously extremely jealous. I'm going to want live updates uh, on those two bar- that barn burner of a game for I'll, sure. I'll, te- and- I'll text you like a boomer and you won't check it for hours later. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. That's that's t- that's how I text too. people text me and then I forget to look at it for hours and hours uh, unless it's my fiance. I obviously always check and respond. Of course, of course, she's not listening to this. I don't know why I'm bothering to give that caveat. Um, <laughs> you're, you're the upcoming schedule for the Colts, though, like this, this is why I think it's sustainable. I guess I don't I don't really care about all these other bit players like Campbell or T.Y. Hilton. But Michael Pittman, I think, is it is I was like going to say. In, 
Yeah, I was going to say Hil- Hilton's return hurt Pittman actually. So, but but Campbell going down and now Hilton already banged up again. I think yes. Sorry to interrupt you, but he's he was a locked in top thirty guy for me, especially with Wentz playing well. But Hilton kind of you know he's not dead yet. I mean he, he really did factor yeah. in last week. Well, it, let's see T.Y. Hilton play against a team that's not the Texans. He always like fair. randomly crushes that's the Texans. Yeah, even last, true. even last year, he like had that one. It, uh, not yeah. playing well at all has a huge game against. It's so. It's one of those ones that like normally I'd brush that off, but this has been going on for years with T.Y. Hilton and the Texans, and he's even talked about it too. He's like, yeah, I just love, I love beating up on the Texans. I think he said that on fair. Pat McAfee show or something like that, but. Still, the he is Hilton's hurt again. Campbell's obviously out. I think he's he out. He's out for the season, right? Like yeah. he's done, done. Yeah. So, poor guy um, on the TD catch too. I, I mean, poor guy. I mean, man, can't catch a yeah, can't catch a break. Yeah, it's it's a tough scene there for sure. Um, like so, Pittman I think is a lock is still like a locked in wide receiver too. A guy that you're probably playing every single week. And I think Jonathan Taylor, they got to give him the ball more. But still, he's a guy I'd be buying right now. Um, probably nobody's selling him off this huge stretch. But like, if he has one bad game, I'd think about like buying him. You know, the upcoming schedule for the Colts too. You get the 49ers Sunday night, as you mentioned. Then they get the Titans, Jets, Jaguars, and then Bills and Bucks after that. But that's a pretty nice three-game stretch. That you know, we know Jonathan Taylor beats up on bad teams, man. Like Jonathan Taylor could see what he does against the 49ers, but he could go crazy in this like three game stretch where they get the Titans, Jets and Jaguars. You you know, it's one thing for fantasy guys like myself to write about the Taylor Marlon Mack stuff or whatnot. It's another to actually watch Marlon Mack turn a possible Taylor 75 yard touchdown into a no game. And that flat out happened just clearly last year. Hesitant, slow, and those holes become touchdowns with Jonathan Taylor. So I don't know what Frank Reich is thinking. It's just bizarre to me. But even with that said, 15 to 18 touches with Jonathan Taylor is can be very, very valuable. He's awesome. The schedule opens up just like hopefully the second half last year. And he could be, yeah, he could be the fantasy's best player down the stretch. I mean, he has that wide range of outcomes. I mean, that much upside, but um, it is infuriating looking at his, his workload right now. Two touches at halftime. At home against uh, whatever, 14 point favorites at home against Houston. Two touch, two carries at halftime last week. I mean, just bizarre. Yeah, I agree, man. It's pretty weird. I, it's just disappointing, too, because he's such an explosive player. Like, I don't know how you look at that guy and like, no, we, we got to get him like 20, 22, 23, 24 touches a game, something like that. That should be the deal there. It's, it is disappointing the way that's going right now. But still, Carson Wentz playing better for sure. uh, is is huge for Taylor because oh, yeah. you are you know, you're banking on efficiency with the player and and Wentz playing better is going to boost that touchdown. Hundred uh, percent. Yep. Agreed. Here's another one I want a couple more I want to hit on before we get to the Thursday night game. Henry Ruggs is a guy that I think is not getting enough credit right now for the second year season that he's having. 38.7% of Henry Ruggs targets have come 20 plus yards down the field. He has the second most yards on those throws. Uh, Derek Carr has a 142.4 passer rating on those throws. That's huge. I think Henry Ruggs is a guy that you're thinking about playing Henry Ruggs like to chase the ceiling, you know, as your wide receiver three or flex at this point every week of the season. Ruggs looks good, man, and he's making plays not just in the speed game. Like, he's winning some back shoulder throws, contested throws. Like, I think he is – I compared him coming into this year based on his profile from from his first season as like a Brandon Cooks light type. And they're kind of unleashing him as that type of player. So that's pretty exciting. Does this – 
uh, and Brian Edwards, like, you know, I mean, he's out there and he's making random big plays, but he's not really getting enough volume to really matter that much at all. Does this di- di- diminish your uh, thoughts on Darren Waller, who I should note has a huge, great matchup against the Eagles this week? Like, this would, I feel like this is the week to buy back in on Darren Waller in season long, daily fantasy, et cetera, et cetera, uh, before he uh, faces the Eagles. But is the Henry Ruggs kind of mini breakout here uh, diminishing those thoughts for you at all? So I want to circle back real quick with Taylor. I meant to say that he leads the league in carries inside the 10. So he's also been unlucky in touchdowns. And that's not on Frank Reich. Henry Ruggs, I thought Brian Edwards had like a 50-50 shot about producing him this year. I was clearly wrong on that. Ruggs wins top 15 in air yards. He's passed the eye test. He looks really good. He's been, I don't know if he can continue this efficiency because he's just really made the most of his targets. But um, I haven't ranked as a, he looks like the community does, as a borderline top 25 fantasy wideout this week. Yeah, he looks good. Uh, it's nice that he plays indoors with his speed and um, and no one else. Darren Waller's uh, as a guy who who went went after him in round two, a lot of big money leagues. I love the 19 targets week one, and it's just been very, very uh, mediocre since. Um, I expect a bigger more production moving forward. But um, Ruggs is a, is absolutely a wide receiver two during bye weeks and a wide receiver three type option moving forward. Again, I will note, though, for Darren Waller this week, uh, Eagles have allowed the most touchdowns to tight ends mm. and the third nice. most catches. Like, that is that is a position that they get beat up on annually because, uh, like, their linebackers are bad. Their safeties are are very hit or miss. So, like, that is just a, a thing worth noting that if you have been disappointed by Darren Waller and people are starting to make you little trade offers for him, maybe, maybe wait. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe wait on that a little bit. Yeah, and and that those type of uh versus opponent numbers can be scheme based too. So it's possible that there's something to that. Wow, Henry Ruggs is fifth in yards per target. I mean, man, that's that's getting it done. Wow, what a breakout year too. Yeah, he's been great. Like I said, I think he's a Brandon Cooks light type of player. Um, and he's making the like early career Brandon Cooks when he made all those explosive like was mostly just a deep threat. I think he's become that type of guy at least in his second year. Let's talk about A.J. Brown before we talk about Thursday Night Football real quick. Uh, number one, A.J. Brown has had like one of the most frustrating fan- – people are still frustrated about A.J. Brown despite the pretty big game on Monday Night Football. I mean, Dalton, the guy's you know, he comes in with the knee injury concerns, has a touchdown in week one, has a case of the dropsies in week two. You know, Then he hurts his hamstring, which I that can just have nothing to do with the knee situation. It just is another injury, right? Then he comes back. They play the Jaguars. They barely throw. I don't really care about that. Then he literally has – I hit a case of the damn dropsies in week two. He has a case – sorry. Uh, he has a case of the in week uh, week six here. Has to, you know, sorry, Chipotle. Tough scene there. Uh, he gets thrown under the bus. And anyway, still has a pretty big game all in the second half. On Monday Night Football, I know there's this talk about A.J. Brown's quote on a snap count. He kind of – threw cold water on that a little bit saying after the game, like, Oh, you know, when I said the whole week 10 thing, I meant that's when I'm probably going to be feeling like myself. He's not necessarily on a snap count. They're just not throwing him out there on rundowns. He still ran a team high 26 routes on uh, 31 Ryan Tannehill dropbacks. He actually took 52% of his snaps from the slot too, which I thought was pretty interesting. Where are you at on AJ Brown? Cause I'll say going into this man, I'm, I'm all the way back in like viewing him exactly as I did going into the year, especially that Julio Jones is like, he's hurt again. 
I love Chipotle's carnitas, so I won't stand for any disparaging remarks there. But yeah, the poor guy was dealing with the, <laughs> he was dealing with the bubble gut situation there, and and he's uh, I'm with you. You could rank him as high as number one this week in this matchup without Julio. Uh, apparently, aggravated that hammy in the fourth quarter last week, mm. and um, I know AJ Brown is at risk of mid game injury too, and he's perpetually dealing with the banged up knee. But the over under in this game is fifty seven points. Kansas City can't stop anyone, allowing most yards per play in the league. Um, no Julio, and of course Derek Henry will get hit. Is, but at some point they're going to have the touchdowns aren't going to all go to the big dog. So yeah, uh, AJ Brown this week uh, fire him up with with confidence and yeah he has the upside to finish as the fantasy wide receiver number one for sure. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it. he's only 24 bucks in Yahoo's daily fantasy game. You know he was up there in like 27, 28 range the first couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, I'll be uh, your boy will be pretty highly exposed to AJ Brown uh, in in week seven. So. Take that for what you will. Take that for what you will, uh, guys. Speaking of daily fantasy, let's talk about this absolutely thrilling Thursday night game we've got on the slate uh, mm-hmm. this week. We've got um, the Denver Broncos at Cleveland Browns, or at least what's left of the Cleveland Browns, Dalton. Uh, we've got no Baker Mayfield in this game. Case Keenum is starting. Obviously, Nick Chubb is out. Kareem Hunt has been placed on IR. Odell is uh, a questionable, like sort of game time decisionist-ish. We'll see. I've seen uh, Josina Anderson said that he has a grade three shoulder sprain. Then I've seen other people say, ain't no way he's got that because if he was, pl- if he had that, he is not playing in this game. He would not have been back in the Cardinals game, whatever, yada, yada. You know, obviously they've got injury problems at the offensive line, uh, the tackle spot, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin. Those are huge injuries. This is like, a, 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 I talked about a skeleton crew at the Giants. Like this is a skeleton crew as it can get for the Browns, man. So uh, what are your th- general thoughts going into this game? I think Case Keenum can be uh, equivalent to that version that we saw of Baker Mayfield with a you know messed up left shoulder. Pa- apparently, it was fully torn labrum, not partially torn. Uh, over yep. under in this game is basically the opposite of the last one we talked about. Just forty one expected points here, so super low scoring. Um, I don't know about you, but at my best DFS lineup uh, that I filled out uh, has eleven dollars remaining on it. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I got both quarterbacks in there. Cortland Sutton's my superstar without Jerry mm. Judy and with. Uh, Bridgewater, he's just been awesome. I believe he leads the NFL in air yards this season yep. uh, by a decent margin, too. So, yeah, you got to love Sutton and uh, Dearness Johnson, as we talked about. And I don't like the, you know, the Denver running backs uh, cannibalize each other. So give me Noah Fant also in that lineup. Uh, without Albert O, his target share goes up. So, um, yeah, like I said, that would leave $11 remaining. So it's a really weird, uh, you know, standalone DFS, DFS game. Yeah, I would love I challenge anyone out there to fill out a viable lineup for this game and like spend all your budget. I don't think it's possible. I physically I really don't even think it's possible uh, like to, to make it happen. Um, as you mentioned, Cortland Sutton is on fire right now. 33 targets over the last three games. You mentioned he leads the NFL in air yards quickly on Sutton. Um, Jerry Judy sounds like he could be back in week eight. I'm excited about that because judy is awesome i mean i know he's coming off a serious injury long injury absence that's not great but if i had Cortland sutton on my fantasy and i didn't draft very much of Cortland sutton because i was more in on judy this year i would be a bit nervous that like this thursday night game he he probably is going to go crazy on this thursday night slate but i would be a little nervous about him going forward uh, with judy coming back 
Agreed, totally. Uh, hope Judy does come back. Loved what he was going to put up this year, but you're right. That's there. And on uh, the flip side, also, Sutton has proved that he's fully recovered from his knee injury and he's going to cut oh, into yeah. that possible gigantic breakout that many were expecting for Judy, like myself. So, yeah, one, maybe it's maybe it's a good thing that Denver's defense isn't as good as some people expected, like myself. But, um, yeah, th- that's definitely going to hurt both their values when when Judy and Sutton are both on the field together. Definitely, definitely agree overall with this game, too. I mean, yeah, I'm with you that Case Keenum... I've always like kind of liked Case Keenum. I, I think he's like the perfect backup quarterback because he'll come in there and like play sort of like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I mean, he, he'll be aggressive. He can just target the hell out of like his number one receiver. Um, that's why I think like Cortland Sutton or excuse me, that like if Odell Beckham plays like I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I would lo- by the way, I will love the discourse if like Beckham comes in there and it gets like eight catches 120 yards and a touchdown with all the case Keenum instead of Baker Mayfield that will be on fire but I actually I mean you could honestly talk to me about like him Baker Mayfield as you know like the one-to-one comparison with case Keenum but I don't even think it's close if Baker Mayfield's banged up um, I saw Dan Orlovsky talking about like how much this matters for for Baker Mayfield like you think of it's like oh it's not his throwing shoulder or whatever but um you know, his secondary shoulder, when you have to be a guy like Mayfield that, that relies, I think Orlovsky's point was like, you have to, he relies so much on his mechanics and you can't be mechanically right with that shoulder. That's probably why he's played so poorly the last few games. And I'm not a college guy, but I know Case Keenum put up video game like numbers in college. Oh, yeah. Like silly, silly stats like you wouldn't believe. Um, and so I'll give you a sleeper here. Beckham, who's playing with a banged up shoulder himself, could exit that game in any minute. Donovan Peoples Jones with no running, with no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Maybe DPJ uh, connection with Keenum. Uh, that's a possible sleeper in in this game with a banged up Beckham. But yeah, that would also be funny uh, if if Beckham stayed healthy and developed some great immediate chemistry with Keenum because it's it's wild. It's now two straight years where where Mayfield's numbers on and off the field uh, with YPA or EPA are both better with Beckham off the field than on. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. And it's one of those ones that I'm just going to take the L on talking about because I've always like kind of railed against that narrative. But I don't, I don't know. I don't get it because uh, I, I think Beckham still looks good. Like I think Be- I know he's dropped a couple fourth down passes or something, but like he still looks good out there in terms of getting open separation, everything like that. So uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't mind Rashard Higgins is like because I think most people will will take the DPJ uh, pivot there off Beckham. Rashard Higgins is still the number two receiver on this team, provided that Jarvis Landry doesn't get activated off IR, which I think is um, probably a, a long call. shot at this point. But over the last uh, three games, 85 routes for Beckham, 80 for DPJ, 70 uh, for Rashard Higgins, who is the wide receiver three. He's the slot guy on this team, too. So maybe that leads to Keenum kind of targeting him more as that layup guy or whatever. So I don't right. mind. And I'm always I'm a longtime Higgins guy. So like maybe this is just me getting in a getting in a pub for my dude here. But I think if you want to differentiate yourself in this game, Higgins at 12 bucks uh, is someone that people will not be clicking on. Like that call. And before we go, Harmon, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I thought it was funny that after I went nuts about how good Jalen Hurts is uh, or is underrated in real life, he had the most, the best game, the biggest discrepancy you can have of a fantasy versus real life game ever. So I just wanted, I couldn't let you go the whole pod without taking the big L after the week. It was pretty funny that Hurts, Hurts just looked so bad on real life, but still got it done in fantasy and they covered too. And that was my point that they covered against the Bucks there though. But I had to just admit that it was pretty funny that like it could not be a bigger discrepancy between real life versus fantasy value on the game after I was defending Hurts' real life uh, performance but pretty funny i mean it's kind of been that way for jalen hurts all year and but but honestly dude 
I think it kind of goes both ways for the Hertz and the coaching staff. Like Hertz has not been great. There's there. He's got some serious flaws in his game. There's no question about that, but it looks to me like they have basically taken Jalen Hurt. I mean, they run so many screens. It's mind numbing. And I'm, I'm pissed about this because I've just been charting uh, Devonte Smith over the last few games. And like, uh, Smith is getting open. I know he's whiffed at the catch point a couple times, but like he is consistently open on timing routes. And it's like, by the time he comes open, Jalen hurts is off his first read and, and it's over, you know, like when, when, when at that point they this offense runs so many screens, it's so bad. It kind of looks to me like they've taken Jalen hurts and just put him in the 2020 Phillip rivers offense, which I can't imagine a stupider thing to do. Yeah, and they don't run the ball whatsoever either. I mean, they're like Miami, so it's into that. That could be a fun DFS game, though. Indoors, fast-paced teams, the Raiders. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. But you're right. In real, real life terms, it's it's curious what they're doing in Philadelphia. Curious is one way to put it. I feel like they've already <laughs> just decided. I feel like they've already just decided. Like we don't, we're out on Jalen Hurts. We have all of these first-round cool. picks next year. But like, even that's crazy because if you let the guy put up some good tape, you could at least trade him for an asset or something. It's like, what else you, are you just based? I mean, I, if I was an Eagles fan and I'm not, thank God, I would feel like we're just, the team is just wasting this year. Like this is a waste of a year because even if Jalen hurts, isn't that good? Like what's your alternative? You're not benching him for Joe Flacco at any point because then you're just literally waving the white flag. Like, forget it. We're done with 2021. It's over. We're putting like Joe Flacco is a bait is, is a human white flag. If you're putting him out there at this point, but you're doing nothing. Like you're running an offense for Joe Flacco in the year 2021 with Jalen hurts under center. I don't get it. And I, like I said, I shouldn't be this irritated about it because it doesn't affect me at all, but I just have been watching that offense so much over the last couple of days. And it's gross. I'm a Jalen Hurts stan, and I and I remain that way. But I will also say there's there's a Gardner Minshew there, also that option too. I will just say there's yeah. that is true. That's true. We could see, we could see Gardner Minshew, the man who pushed Trevor Lawrence in training camp, if you can remember all the all those years ago. Oh my God, what a these these NFL coaches, man. I gotta. We gotta take a sec. We gotta take a sec uh, with some of these NFL coaches. So, um, Dalton, what are you what do you got coming up this week, man? Uh, my sit start come out uh, Friday morning, but just follow me on Twitter at Dalton Deldon, which I'm sure you'll say with your plugs here. But good, t- good talking to you this week, Harmon. Always good talking to you. And like uh, I said, you are just around on schedule for your yearly tweets. So definitely make sure <laughs> the people uh, turn the notifications on for at Dalton Deldon uh, so that you can get that yearly tweet. We are excited for it after the Andy Dalton debacle. That was all my fault, too, man. I, I still say that was my fault. I pushed you to tweet. I pushed you to tweet more. And that was what happened. And uh, what a. What a tough scene. By the way, um, Dak Prescott, man. What an unbelievable quarterback. What an unbelievable quarterback. Oh. Uh, so good. Please, so good. please be healthy. Miss- please be healthy. Please good be time healthy. for a bye week. Perfect time for the bye week. Please be healthy because, yes, yeah, so, so good, man. He just makes every right decision. Seriously, unbelievable, um, despite the fact that he's got Mike McCarthy as his coach. All right, that's it for us. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I tweet a lot more than once a year, so make sure you ignore that feed and just look at at Dalton Del Don. And if you want fantasy analysis and news and updates from the rest of the team, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, Dalton will be back tomorrow with a preview of Sunday's NFL games with Liz Loza. But until then, we're out.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.